This is part two of my conversation with brewer Natalie Baldwin. Have you ever wondered how do artists come up with ideas for their next painting? How do CEOs disrupt industries? How do chefs combine unexpected ingredients? Where do leaders find their strength and courage? Well, you've come to the right place. Magical Humans is about to make you feel seen and connected on a whole other level. My name is Vania Vananina. I'm an artist and creativity expert, and I am on a mission to talk to extraordinary people about their creativity, failures, wins, and everything in between. My wish is that these magical humans inspire you to take the leap and lead a creative life. Hey, yes, you. Are you enjoying the show? If so, go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen and leave us a rating and review. This helps us share the magic. Thank you so much. It seems like more and more nowadays, um, more women are participating in brewing and consuming beer. How does that look like from your perspective? It's pretty cool to be able to see women obviously producing beer, but having the consumer be more comfortable with finding beers that they want to drink or getting excited about beers that, you know, like when people gender things that don't have a gender, like this is a girly beer, I'm not going to yeah, drink it. Yeah, berry Just, or whatever. Exactly. I think uh, women are becoming more comfortable being okay with like ordering a super fruity beer because it tastes good and everyone likes it or knowing that they really like hoppy beer or lagers or whatever it is. I think it's just like consumer knowledge in general is increasing. So people, whether it's women or men or whatever, um, just are getting better at drinking beer and finding good beer and all that. Yeah. I wanted to mention or, you know, bring forward the fact that it looks like beer consumers are getting more and more educated and also people that were not consuming beer now are interested in the craft beer movement. So for you as a brewer, what does that mean that your audience is more educated or more curious about ingredients or the process? What does that mean for you? I really enjoy that people are more excited about beers because then you can get a little bit more nerdy and have people mm -hmm. who are not just brewers understand why you're doing what you're doing. And it's pretty fun to be able to explain to someone maybe like a process. And like the other day, um, there's this festival every year for it's a it's kind of cool. There's professional female brewers that are showcased and then it's connected to a national female homebrew competition. Mm. So which is the one that you participated in? Yeah. Okay. So it's called, Oh no, different one. Sorry. Different um, one. but this one's called she brew mm -hmm. and I have another female brewer at Breakside with me named Annie and she wanted to do a beer for it and for the professional side. So, uh, she came and brewed at the R and D system with me earlier this week and we made an oyster stout. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. I was going to ask you, it looks like you were having the time of your life. You're shucking oysters yeah, and, you know, super. having fun. I had never shucked an oyster. So it was really exciting to 
do it well at, by the end of the day, but she wanted to have a beer taste like of the sea mm. and oysters are such a delicate flavor. You have to use a lot. And so we were trying to incorporate different ways to bring that flavor. And we ended up making dashi, which is kind of like a broth with seaweed and bonito flakes mm. in addition to the oysters. So it's hopefully going to taste like super salty, but also in a pleasant, balanced in way a, with a stout. <laughs> oh my God, it sounds so good. I've heard that there's oyster shell infused beer, but the, you were using the actual oysters, the product inside the shell. Exactly. Originally, people would drink a beer and eat an oyster. And then mm -hmm. someone was like, let's make a beer um, <laughs> with these together. But there was also... Um, People would use the shells to fine, which would mean to like clear, clarify the beer. Mm. And so that was a, one of the other uses and kind of the, the origins of the oyster stout. But like I said, it's a super delicate flavor. So often if you have it, it's like a lighter bodied, like not super rich stout mm. with like a little bit of delicate saltiness. And we used the entire, we used the, we shucked them so that we didn't have to cook them long enough for them to open. Oh, I see. Um, but so we used the shell and the meat and the liquor or the juice like inside the shell. So That's we used amazing. all of you it. Use all of it. Mm -hmm. And then how long, is there a difference in brewing time regarding the ingredients? So we just put it in as far as like we knew how long it would take to cook. So okay. we put it in for that amount of time, basically, as so it would be a normal brew length. But you just because mm. we boil the beer for a certain amount of time mm. and we just put it in during the boil for a length that we would know would be appropriate and incorporate the flavors and not overcook or undercook that's that sort of thing. And then you take them out. Is it like dry hopping? Like you put them in and then so it brews with all of the goodness and then... So since it's in the boil, we just put it in a bag. And when we mm. decided it was done, you just pull it out. Like a tea bag. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. That makes, when I learned that term dry hopping in a hat, it was, I was like, oh, just like a tea. Like you yeah. infuse the liquid with something and then you take it out. Well, dry hopping actually stays in the beer. Oh, it stays yeah. there. Never mind. I didn't. It seems no, like I wasn't putting attention then. It's dry hopping is when you have a beer either in fermentation or at the end of fermentation and you add hops to the tank. So it's oh. all cold side. I see. But then you filter that, right? Because... Yeah, most of the solids fall out of the beer to the bottom and you can do things to encourage that, whether that's a product that you that's like a positively charged ion that pulls down negatively charged ions and, and you clarify the beer or you can use something like the oyster shells that's like old school style to clarify the beer or you can use a filter. Um, there's a couple different ways that you can take all those like solids out so it's not in the final pint that you drink. Wow, it's so much chemistry yeah. in it. Yeah, mm -hmm. You know, I I grew up and I remember drinking beer was something that my dad and my uncles and my granddad did. I mean, my mom would enjoy a beer now and then, but it just looked like it was something for men, you know? And when I was a kid, we used to have uh, carnes asadas as like a barbecue. So that's how we call it. And my dad and my granddad would give me little sips. And mom was like, no, she's three years old. <laughs> um, but I remember that. And for me, in that time, like in the late 80s, early 90s, most Mexican beers were just laggers. Mm -hmm. So for me, that Mexican lager 
taste. Taste is like my childhood. Yeah. And yeah, it just takes me back. How do you think the future of beer looks like for women, both brewers and consumers? I think that it's just going to be more and more accessible because there's more women, you know, drinking beer, making beer, whether that's homebrew or on a professional level. And, you know, kind of like we talked about raising mm -hmm. the level of education and it's just going to keep, you know, evening out. It's not going to be just like a, a man's drink. And I think we're kind of on that level now, hopefully. Um, and I think the variety of beer styles make it even more accessible. And um, I think when you pair something with food, like people do with wine, then it just becomes even, you know, easier to approach because you can, you know, you're going to make dinner and you're inviting people over and you don't want to bottle buy a bottle of wine, but you also found this really cool beer that you're interested in. And then it just kind of like, you know, rolls together super easily and people will drink it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that's like women focused, but I think that just like the accessibility and acceptance, maybe, I don't know. I think that is the important part. It comes full circle. I, the question was regarding the future of beer for women, but since there's, there were all these gender biased for the beer industry and now people like you are visible visible but also breaking the mold and stere the stereotypes you know yeah. it's no longer like that so accessibility means here yeah. though which is just, like interesting to think about like here in okay. our little like bubble of how it's like easy and accessible and then you go to other industries and or other places in the world and it's still like trickier but so okay do you talked about your trip to germany mm -hmm. did you encounter many women or it was mostly men There, I encountered quite a few female brewers in Germany because the trip that I went on, like the scholarship that I got focused on Women. female brewers. You're and right. so we kind of sought some of them out, whether that was like brewers or um, female owned breweries, mm -hmm. something along those lines. But there's one woman that we talked to and, you know, the tour guide was super interested in how she felt about being a woman in the industry. And she was like, no one even like thinks about it because I'm just as good as everyone else. So it doesn't matter that I'm a woman. And I think that that's the place that everyone's like trying to get to. And right. Do you think that's because it was Germany. It was another mindset. Um, I don't know. Not necessarily. I think maybe in the region that she brewed in, her family had owned the brewery for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so it was natural that she took over. Exactly. I see. Um, and she felt, confident and strong and was respected in the industry and had been for a long time. So there was just like no reason for anyone to question her. But again, maybe an outsider might, but in her local little like yeah, environment. Yeah, there was no doubt. Yeah. I wish every industry was like that. Yeah. That there was no question of how you identified yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, men, women, non-gender conforming, whatever yeah. that was. Just like, I'm the best candidate or I have the skills and I have the ideas and... Yeah, last so there's this big um, brew competition in Oregon called the Oregon Beer Awards, and it's really special because it's a way to showcase all of the breweries and in Oregon instead of just being in like big national competitions mm -hmm. where you're competing against everyone. You get to compete against your peers and all the beer that you drink all the time. And uh, my boss is one of the. Um, 
directors of the competition. And then there's a big award ceremony afterwards. And he wanted to talk about like, we just always kind of have conversations about like being a woman in the industry and being queer or just like whatever it is. Like we, we've spoken a lot about it and he wanted to talk about it, but didn't know exactly like what to say. So we kind of wrapped about it. Approach it. Yeah. in in a way that people would listen instead of Mm -hmm. feel like they're being preached at. And he went up there and he said, turns out if you hire the best, most qualified person for the job, regardless of age, gender, race, sexuality, then you are going to make the best beer. Yes. And oh my God, like, I got chills. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and so I think that when you create an environment and hold, like we talked about earlier, hold yeah. your peers and accountable yeah. and encourage them and celebrate them. And, and so, you know, our industry is fairly young in, in most places now because people are excited about craft beer and want to be a part of it. Then you have these, you know, younger people who aren't so stuck in their ways about having a woman in a blue collar job. So it obviously still exists, but I hope that like the younger peers, whoever they may be, hold everyone else accountable and just create like a good environment. Yeah. And may the best candidate win. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite beer to make? Okay. And what is your favorite beer to drink? Okay. So my favorite beer style is Pilsner, mm-hmm. like pretty consistently because it just tastes really good. And it's a really cool beer because sometimes like when you're bartending, someone comes up and they say, I just want like a beer. I want like a regular beer. I don't want mm-hmm. it to be bitter because I don't like hops. And you give them a Pilsner and they're like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. And you've tricked them because Pilsners are fairly hoppy beers. They just happen to be not as intense as an IPA. But like at Breakside, when you're when we're making the Pilsner, there's, I think, maybe more or just as much hops in the boil. So like the hot side before you dry hop as far as like volume goes, but they're obviously different hops. So they taste different. There's different alpha acids and whatever, but like, it's a hoppy beer. And I love that. That's like a way to trick people to <laughs> like, they just, they don't know what they're talking about. If they say they don't like hoppy beers and they like a Pilsner, you're like, okay, whatever, just drink this. Got you. But it's also like showcases the malt and it's just like really pretty and wonderful. Um, so that is your favorite to drink. Yes. Pilsner. Yes. And there's a brewery in Germany called Augustiner and they make Augustiner Pilsner. That is just like so beautiful. And when I went there, they have this beautiful beer hall underneath the ground and it's just brick. It's like a cellar. <sighs> and so there it's like brick arches and it's completely covered and it's incredibly beautiful. And it was one of the places that I was very excited to visit and walked in there and was just so, so, so excited and Drank a big, like, moss of a liter of Pilsner. <laughs> what is your favorite beer to make? Okay, so my favorite beer to make is my second favorite beer to drink, which is Goza. Mm-hmm. It's a slightly tart wheat beer with a little bit of salt and coriander. And this beer is kind of fun because we get to do um, a lacto-fermentation on it, lactobacillus. So it's a Lactobacillus lowers the pH and basically like acidifies the beer. Mm. So you start with a normal beer and then you add lactobacillus and it metabolizes and like makes all this little like lactic acid and it tastes tart. So it's technically like a dual fermentation. So you use lactobacillus to make the beer tart and then you boil it to kill it all so that it doesn't continue to get tart. And it stays tart? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Wow. And how the, long does it take for them, once you pour them in, how long does it take to become sour? Yeah, or, it depends on how much you add and what strain you're using and kind of like with the beer that you start with. So it's all you kind of like watch pH and there's a couple other things you can watch, but the pH will lower as it starts to acidify and um, it's pretty cool. So the one that I make usually takes a couple days to get sour. So you leave it at a certain temperature so that you're only creating the perfect environment for the bacteria that you want to live. So at you know, around 100-ish degrees for a couple days, lactobacillus will sour the wort. And then you bring it to a boil and kill all the lactobacillus and then brew the beer like you normally would and then pitch a normal ale yeast and ferment the beer. And it stays at the sour level that you... When you stopped. Okay. Exactly. So you like design a sour level and then kind of build everything else around it. Wow. So it's just kind of fun. It's easy. It's like an easy beer, but I just love it and it's neat. What is your dream collaboration? I think that I I get very excited about collaborations. That's something that's super important to me. And I think that it's more like as I learn, pe you know, meet people all the time, it's not necessarily like I have a uh, – actually one of my – the woman who made me like super excited about beer is this woman named Tanya Cornett. And she's this – incredible brewer who lives in Bend and she's won so many medals and so many awards and makes incredible beer all the time. It's, it's kind of wild. But when I was first getting into brewing, I knew about her because she makes this, um, German Berliner Weisse. It's like a, it's kind of like a Goza. It's, it's a sour or tart wheat beer. And she, cultured some of her own lactobacillus and just became like one of the people that, revitalized a dead style, I think. And so that's kind of how I knew about her. And I met her just because of that and was just like so impressed with her and thought she was so cool. And, um, she's like one of my friends now. So that's really cool to be able to like, we judge the great American beer fest together and you get to pair with like a roomie. So she was my roomie for the week. And I, you know, was telling my boyfriend, I was like, it's kind of weird to be able to like share a space and have a friendship with this person who is one of my beer idols. And still like, I've known her for years and years now, but we've never made a beer together, but she likes to brew with flowers. And we talk about raw materials and ingredients all the time together because we like a lot of the same things. So hopefully someday her and I will get to make a beer together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be part of that. Even though I don't know how to brew, I'm like, yes, I'll be shearing you and making you snacks. And then yes. Yes. Painting things. Painting things. Exactly. Maybe there's Maybe some pom-poms. Yes. Pom-poms for the beer, for the, exactly, special edition. And then the label. Yeah. Just count me in. That sounds amazing. And I... It also sounds like you had a wonderful time with her. Like you're saying, admiring someone so much and then like sharing space with them yeah. and, and seeing On their... On like a personal level. Exactly. Seeing their... Hu connecting on a yeah. human level. But um, hearing from your experience, you're so resourceful and just going with your gut and, and doing a thing and then trying. And then I don't want to say trying without trying, but it just sounds very randomly organic the That's way so true mm -hmm. randomly organic how you are where you are now and and who knows where you'll be in a year or five or ten years i'm sure doing amazing things but it seems like i don't know like it's your spirit 
guiding you. I don't know how to. No, I, I feel exactly the same way. And I think that a lot of it is saying yes to people, even when mm. I'm like extremely uncomfortable. And a lot of the opportunities I've gotten have had nothing to do with beer. It's kind of like talking to you or like, yeah. this has nothing to do with my job, but you get to meet amazing people and have amazing interactions and encounters and kind of grow from that. Like it could be a collaboration where you decided that you wanted to have some sort of like traditional ceramic beer stein and you were really interested in that. And that was like something that we collaborated on. It's like those sorts of things. And then like you get your, this beer, beer stein in certain beer shops in Portland. It's like all of those kind of like movements. And where, then Oprah chooses it yeah, as her favorite things. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's under all the seats. Um, <laughs> under all the seats. You get a beer stein, you get a beer stein, yeah. you get a beer stein. But it's like weird little things like that where you find the strength in other people and build on that in, in cool ways. And I think that that's why, like I said earlier, I didn't want to ever like downplay the hard work that I have, but mm -hmm. a lot of the reasons I am where I am is because other people have like offered opportunities and helped and, and you've said yes, shown interested and shown yes. Or I've said no. And they're like, come on. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> just most of the time. Cause it's, it's like nerve wracking on Friday. I'm in a, one of my friends runs this, it's like this night where there's like artists and she tries to like focus on people who are either queer or just like uh, less uh, represented in most communities. Non-binary or genderqueer. Or yeah. Or like people of color or. Underrepresented. Yeah, folks. exactly. Um, and it's mostly based on art. So sometimes people would, you would love it. Yeah. I'm like, um, <laughs> people are dancing, playing music, reading poetry. And there's like all these other things. Then she likes to incorporate some sort of like lecture type thing. Mm. And I haven't written anything yet, but on Friday, <laughs> this Friday you're sharing yeah. something. Um, but she just wanted like my perspective to be something like she feels like a lot of the uh, creative community in Portland is based on like self-care and she wants people to be like, you know, they're paying attention to like, if this doesn't feel good, don't push it. But she's, we were talking about how like I'm uncomfortable a lot and I just do it anyways. Cause I like, that's just kind of how I am. And she wanted me to talk about like what I do to like get through like hard work and really long days of manual labor and, and yes. things like that. It's something that like, I don't necessarily even realize that I'm doing, but it, I felt like really it felt really good to have someone recognize that that's like, she thought that that's what I was doing. And I'm, I sometimes feel like I'm just in survival mode and getting through work and Aren't doing. We all? Yeah. Just yesterday I was talking to a friend and I'm like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And she's like, could you just stop and, and write all the things that you did in 2018 or like and, last month or last month? <laughs> yeah. Because we get into this. I feel now there's this meritocracy like a productivity is such a big standard yeah. now to not just evaluate ourselves, but also value ourselves. Like, oh, I haven't done this much. I haven't earned this much. I haven't, all of these things. And and for a personal struggle is that I want something or I, or I have a goal. And then I work really hard to get it. And then I make it happen. And then I'm on to the next thing and on to the next thing and on to the next thing. But I never stop to just take it all in and be like, Soak hey, that happened. And it was because hard. It was hard. It, yeah. And I was it was exhausting and it was emotionally taxing or physically taxing. Or I had to be really uncomfortable to create this opportunity for me or say yes to this opportunity. And I think think 
as for me that is a big part of my self-care because mm -hmm. it's not just all like bath salts and candles yeah. it's setting boundaries is saying no to things that your God tells you to say no. It's saying yes to things that even though you're uncomfortable and might be unprepared and unqualified, but your God tells you yes, saying yes to those things. And I'm so glad you brought up the self-care element into this conversation because mm -hmm. it's so important. Mental health, emotional health, sexual health, physical health. It's a, it's a whole. It's an, it's an all, if that yeah. makes sense. And I think what you said is really interesting because a lot of people think self-care is just like you said, like bath salts and relaxing or massages and yeah. Or like when people talk about, they're like, girl, eat the whole box of cookies, buy the shoes, go into debt, do all this yeah, stuff. And you're like, tickets. whoa, 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 whoa. It got a little out of control. And yeah. I mean, it's obviously all about balance and that's the whole point of, of why people say self-care, but I'm figuring that out, what that means. And, and it's different for everyone. For someone, it might be just being by themselves, mm -hmm. taking a trip alone. For someone, it might be quitting a job. Yep. For someone, it might be saying no to family members. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's so different for everyone because it's the, everything comes from within. And it stems from your childhood and your upbringing and where you are in the world, where you want to be. And aren't we all just figuring out ourselves out? Like, Yeah, we're trying to figure it out. And when it directly impacts your productivity in your job or your life or any other specific situation, I think that it's really good to learn and pay attention and grow and be better mm -hmm. and, you know all that back wrapped up into like all this organic flow that happens in my life. I think it's figuring all that out and reaching out to people and talking and being by myself and all of those things all wrapped up together. I know. And that is, that is life. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everyone. And we're all different platforms of growth and so far along or in our personal journeys, whatever that means. But yeah, it's we're all in this together, and and we are all having this human experience, uh, and we have there's labels, and and we're in different geographical locations. But in reality, if you strip all of those labels or elements out, we're just having this human experience mm -hmm. and trying to figure it all out. Is there anything else that you want to share regarding your job or something, a new insight? It doesn't like directly have to do with my job, but. It's been really interesting because there's been this really big like sexual harassment case that's come up in Portland in the beer industry. And I think that there's all these like really beautiful things that happen in my everyday life because I'm in my work specifically has a really wonderful environment where that is not tolerated, but I think would be dealt with like better than this mm. particular situation that I'm talking about. And I think like being a woman in a male dominated industry isn't just about like being tough and badass, whatever that means to you. But I think just in general, it's really wonderful that we're in a time that we can hold our peers to a different standard and um, have low tolerance for unacceptable behaviors. And yes, I don't know. I just think it's something that sometimes gets overlooked in situations like what, how we're talking. There's all these like beautiful, amazing, inspiring things, but there's like a lot of... We also of, need to talk about the hard things. Yeah, there's a lot of people that go through a lot of hard things that I don't necessarily interact. Like I'm things like that happen all the time because we're women and that's, you know, unfortunately the case right now, but, or has been for a long time. But 
just because it's not happening to me currently, like I think about it and I don't want people to think that like, just cause you're a woman in the beer or any other male dominated industry that you can just be tough and it's going to be fine. It's not always fine. And no. sometimes it's really hard, but just remember to like, look out for one another. I and also, know. as you said, uh, not because it's not happening to me, doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that up because I think part of this huge huge shift that we're talking about is holding people accountable, holding ourselves, mm -hmm. not just like, oh, from, from you out. No, like holding ourselves accountable for our interactions, what we say, what we do, who we support, mm -hmm. how we support. And we all have different ways, but I think it's, it's, it's important to shed a light on both like the beautiful and the blessed and the whimsy and also the hard and the dark because mm -hmm. that is part of human nature and it's something that is very much alive. I don't mean just sexual harassment, but... Equal pay yes. and uh, equal racism, rights and equal, yeah, everything like that. Mm -hmm. Ableism, all of those things. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. What advice would you give someone that wants to get into craft brewing or someone that wants to dip their toe in the brewing industry? Uh, it's really different from when I started because now it's becoming more of, I mean, it's a blue collar job. So mm -hmm. I think there's all of these, uh, everyone thinks that it's like a really cool job and maybe don't understand that it's like an actual like labor intensive blue collar mm -hmm. job with a lot of like specialty science education that has to go into it. And so now that there's more breweries and the bar is continuously getting raised, people are to even get your foot in the drawer. You have to have way more experience than mm -hmm. I did. Experience on paper. Like you have to prove that you have a degree or a certificate of some sort. It's that like catch 22 where you're always, you have to have the experience yeah. to get the experience yeah. to get the job kind of thing. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of experience at a lot of really good breweries with a lot of education also. So I think that it's tricky. I don't know what people do now to get yeah. jobs, but advice would just be persevere. I think that's kind of everything, right? Like mm -hmm. if you want it, you'll, yeah, you'll keep, figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. So just keep going. And like why I worked in the wine industry was because I wanted to do it. I wanted to know what it was like. I wanted to learn more about fermentation, which helps me be better at my job in general. But there's so many different avenues where if you have experience in fermentation, at a winery or if you've worked at a distillery or you've worked at a lab, so you have the science background. So it's similar and you can... Yeah. Maybe if you don't have beer industry, you know, experience, there's other avenues that will create a path mm. for you, I think. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> advice. Do you have anything wild that has happened to you while pouring beer? Um, so at kind of work related. There's this, uh, series that Breakside makes and it's, I think I've told you about it, but it's like really beautiful where the beer is supposed to be the only thing that you pay attention to. So the label with all the information is on the outside and then the label on the inside is just a piece of art. And when that series started, we made this beer with a wild yeast and apricot. And one night I was brewing and I was making a Pilsner and we hear this like, boom, and it, this like 
sounds, something blew up and I was there with one other guy and we're like, what just happened? We run over and there's this little tank that is just blowing up. Like there's this little disc on the top that is put there in case the tank overpressurizes and like something gets clogged so that the tank doesn't break. It's just like a, it's called a rupture disc and the rupture disc had blown. And so it was shooting from this little tank that's maybe 10 feet high to the ceiling that's 30 feet high and just hitting the the ceiling and going everywhere. And I had to figure out a way to like close the tank and get everything like all dialed in. And then I was just covered in apricot chunks and wild (laughs) yeast and just smelled like so much wild. It was... It was, and then I used the shower at work, and one of the my coworkers had Axe Two in One shampoo and body wash, <laughs> so I used that, and I not only smelled like apricot and wild yeast, but also like a dude, like a high school dude, <laughs> and I can't drink that beer. <laughs> like it's a really good beer, but I can't drink it because <laughs> it just is like, huh. Uh, it brings back so many memories yeah. and feelings and smells. <laughs> yeah. Um, that sounds so... I mean, it must have... I bet it wasn't fun for you at that moment. But in retrospective, it sounds like a really fun anecdote. It's a fun anecdote. And I think when you have an intense situation like that, like beer's dangerous. Like you can die if there's like too much pressure on something or there's chemicals. It's just like it's a pretty intense environment. So when something like that happens and you know how to deal with it well and you crush it and you're like, huh whatever saved the beer um you know despite it being a weird situation yeah exactly it feels pretty cool to be able to be like i fixed it and no one got hurt and we saved the beer whatever so see you're such a badass that's why you're on this show because you're a fucking badass in that moment i I saved it there's been many times where i haven't so a wild yeast and apricot badass yes What has been the hardest lesson to learn? I kind of said it previously, but I've learned to be what I think a badass is, not what I thought a badass was, where it was more of like this just like tough and harsh and like boundaries and intense and just bold. And those are all really good things, but I've learned how to do all of those things with tact that bring people in rather than push them away and like encourage and teach rather than just like I said, push people away or be abrasive. Like I'm intense and I know that and I'm learning how to be intense in a productive way. Mm-hmm. And whether that's in my life with my personal relationships or my work, that's been, it's it's hard. It's really hard to be intense, but also be gentle. I think that is something that I definitely get from you. You are a tender badass. You're so powerful and you are That means a lot that you notice. Ha. Huh? Yes. Yes, <laughs> because how you how you talk, what you do, your interests, how you present yourself to the world and other people, you are so powerful. I see you as a badass yet with softness. And It's hard. It's, it's really hard. hard. It's 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 hard. Yeah, but it's a hard and soft. Yeah. No, it's about you know, knowing yourself and, and yes, being intense and bold and doing your thing, but also having tact. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of meaning in how things are delivered. Yeah. 
we're, it seems like we're in a big movement to learn to coexist with people instead of just exist in your own space and expect other people to get on board. Yes. And I'm trying to do that also. <laughs> well, it's we're a work in progress, girl, yeah. so good. What is a toy that you always wanted but you never had? I, this probably is going to sound really weird, but I don't, like, remember playing with toys. Really? Yeah. I remember what, I, how did you entertain yourself as a kid? We just like played outside. Okay. Like yeah. with snow and balls and bats and Yeah. Just... My dad built us like a tree house and we would play around in the tree house or we would play like hide and go seek or ride bikes or rollerblade. It was always just like go outside. And um yeah, I remember my friends always had like cool toys, but then I would my friend had a, like a pillow room that I thought was dope. A pillow room. Yeah. They had this huge house and they just had a room that was full of pillows and you would just like jump in this room and like dive through there. It's like a, toy. a foam pit or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember that being cool. It's not like a toy, but Yeah, but it's it's something cool to have. Yeah. When is your ego checked? My ego is checked with like jealousy, I think, because I think like being different in the industry, being a woman and watching other women succeed sometimes in moments of things that I felt like maybe I was ahead of and they got the momentum and the publicity behind it. Sometimes like those jealousy moments surprise me and make me feel a little bit embarrassed. But then when I take a step back and realize that this is exactly what's supposed to be happening and th that person is doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and they get to have a moment and they get to do whatever they need to do and that's their experience. Experience, I think that's like a big ego check for me and not even just in beer, but I in think life. like, yeah, like realizing that we don't have to be threatened by other women. I think like that moment, like maybe it's an ex-girlfriend of your spouse or maybe it is, I don't know, someone just being beautiful or talented or whatever the situation is. I think they were taught to be threatened by that. And I think when I recognize that happening, I'm like, whoa chill out everything's fine look how amazing that person is thank you for sharing that <laughs> i can so relate to that yeah it's i think it's real and people don't want to talk about it because it's like oh no no it's all nice and positive vibes and no there's sometimes when you feel really like, oh, jealous or shitty or and you're like why not me but yeah it's okay know, it's okay to it's be. all it's all meant to be it's everything it's It's good. And everyone gets jealous and weird and in those situations, I think that's when you can like find power mm -hmm. in being stronger. And you have than, a choice. Yeah, you have a choice not to be a jerk. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the biggest ego checks for me. And then once I take a step back and I, then you, again, that's like being a badass in like a gentle way where you get to yes. like pull people closer where, you know, maybe you feel jealous and you're like, wow, you're doing a really good job and I'm so proud of you and this is so cool. And then that person's like, wow, this person's actually really nice and how supportive and what a great friend. And then that just like builds everything yes, else. Yes, and weaves more. that supportive community that yeah. we all need. Mm -hmm. That is that is amazing. Yeah, it's like weakness from or power from weakness or something, you know, or vulnerability or yeah. What makes you feel seen? I think like maybe as far as like being with people that I care about and like when when they see me I think just having like peace and calmness and being around people that respect all of the process in in my life whether that's being overworked or overtired or like needing help or mm. whatever that is I think when someone can like recognize that's going on without me having to say it and be able to have like calm peaceful like interactions and oh. 
And uh, that sounds so good. <laughs> like yes, maybe it's that's like, not. It's the... like a emotional hug. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's like the things where someone can tell that you're tired and they you need them to like make dinner or something. Or and they also rub your feet or yeah. say like you're doing a great job. Yeah. Whether it's like your friend or even someone at like your boss at work is like, hey, uh, I've been noticing that you're kind of tired and I gave you this day off. Or like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's just things when, like that. Yeah. It's when people surprise you. Maybe surprises are what make me feel seen. Mm. What was the last gift you gave someone? The last gift I gave someone, it was accidentally a re-gift, um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't grow up with religion at all, so it's not something that really plays a part in my life. And someone had given me this uh, like really beautiful silver cross on like a silver chain, and I've had it for like over 10 years for some reason. It's just like in, it was in this little box that it was given to me in and I just never wore it, but it seemed like it would, I don't know. I just have like kept it for a really long time. Yeah. And then I went home with my boyfriend for Christmas and I gave it to his mom for Christmas. Mm. I don't know why I decided to give it to her, but and it, it's kind it of sounds funny. like a good regifting story. Yeah. Like she, for the last couple of years, like him and his brothers have been going home for Christmas. They, she, it's like important to her to go to Christmas mass mm. and they don't want to go because it's religion doesn't play an important part in their life right now. And, um, I was like, we should like for Christmas, we should go to midnight mass with your mom. And he was like, you don't even like church. What's that about? And I was like, yeah, it's not about me. Like she exactly. wants to go. And so I knew that she like, you know, liked is interested in religion, and I had this thing, and it just seemed like that is so like sweet, a, like an avenue or and yeah, <laughs> sweet regifting story. Are you familiar with grief? Mm -hmm. I think that grief's face is very different often, and I have lost people like physically mm -hmm. and like had them no longer in my life type things. So yes, okay. <laughs> Um, what is something that you believed before that you now believe it's not true anymore? Um, I thought my mom was really annoying and had bad intentions. <laughs> and now I know that she just like loves me and would do anything for me. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's such a good answer. What is a moment when you feel magical? I feel magical when I don't disappoint myself. I think that I, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier with self-care, but you set like all of these goals to be able to get through the day, whether that's like doing all your laundry or finishing projects at work or whatever it is. I feel like really good when I actually like get through a to-do list. You check all of that to-do yeah. list. Mm -hmm. That's just with me, but I also feel like really magical when other people feel good. Like hmm. I think that Like so much of my life is so focused on like me and how I get through the day, what I like, how I like my hair to be brushed when I like to do things. But I think like when I can take a step back and realize like it's not all about me, yeah. I think that feels like really good because you can watch someone else like revel in their own joy and that feels really good. Oh. What is your favorite word? I mean, this might be like a slight cop out, but I really love rose. I think it's rose. like such a, I have these like brewing glasses, safety glasses that are pink and... um Uh, what's the saying? Like through, ro through rose, the rose, rose colored, colored lenses. Glasses. Yeah. Put your rose colored glasses on. Yeah. So I like that. But then I also like that it could be like rosy cheeks where you're like happy or laughing or like it's cold outside. And rose is your middle name, bro. Rose is my middle name. And it sounds so lush. Yeah. Rose. Like yeah. fancy, 
but it's also like pointy. Yes. And yeah, there's all sorts of like cool things about it, but I think I just like rose. the word rose. Share an unpopular opinion. Um, you can like both cats and dogs equally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the world is burning. <laughs> What has been the best advice you've gotten? Slow down. Slow down. Mm-hmm. It's good, but it also irritates me um, <laughs> because I don't really have that button. Um, mm. But I think it's, I don't know, that's when I make mistakes when I'm going like too fast, but sometimes also really good things happen from it. So I think just like the mindfulness of it is interesting. Do you have any guilty pleasures? I really like fruit snacks. Like I'll eat an entire box. Me too. <laughs> Without even wink. Like me yeah. too. Like fruit roll ups. Yeah. Uh, and the gushers. Yeah. Just anything that's like that texture and fruity. I'm into it. <sighs> me mm -hmm. too. Licorice. All of, mm -hmm. I mean, good licorice, not like anise licorice. I've been getting into it, but it's not my favorite. Like I like it. It's but an acquired taste, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if I would buy it, but if someone had it, I would eat it. Yeah, like Australian <laughs> red licorice. It's, yeah, it's good. What is a fear you've overcome? I mean, public speaking is kind of like a lame one, but... You're so articulate. And so, I mean, this is not a big audience, but... <laughs> I'm really bad at memorizing things. And so, well, first of all, doing the thing to write it, to memorize it. Um, but I... It's not even that I'm like embarrassed or uncomfortable to be around in front of people, but just like all the lead up to all the things you have to do to say the things that you're going to say in front of people... That's kind of one. And now you're a Toastmaster? Like. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so I wish. But no, I actually don't wish. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for asking this good is, questions. I love hearing these insights from someone that has been through a lot of things and in a lot of places and... I consider you such a badass and a magical oh, human. So thanks. it means a lot to hear this, all of these things firsthand. Yeah. Thank you. This is what I am taking away from my conversation with Natalie. It's a lot, but it was a two-part episode full of magical goodness. Number one, be mindful of the platform you're standing on. Every little step you take is building a foundation for those who will come after you. Number two, show up even if you feel you're unprepared. Wonderful and cool things might happen. Number three, if you notice you've become too comfortable where you're at, Change your environment so you can keep growing. Number four, seize the opportunity to collaborate with your peers. You could learn so much. Number five, self-care is important. Prioritize it and figure out what is it that you need in this exact moment. Only you know what is best for you. Number six, stop and celebrate your achievements. Thank yourself for all your hard work. Number seven, Remember, we have to look out for one another and have no tolerance for unacceptable behavior. Number eight, don't be afraid to redefine a concept so it celebrates your essence. We can be soft, tender, gentle badasses. Number nine, it's normal to feel jealous sometimes. 
Just remember that everyone will get a moment to shine. Number 10. Sometimes you shock oysters and sometimes you shock the patriarchy. Number 11. Success is not linear. It takes a lot of trial and error to get where you're going. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you feel a little bit more inspired, more magical, more human. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show. Say hello to me on Instagram and tell me what resonated with you or what did you like the most about today's episode. If anything you listened to made you think of someone, please go share it with them. The world is a better place when we make each other feel seen. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. This show is produced by Annie Fassler of Puddle Creative with music by Megan Diana and cover art by Vania Vananina, that's me, and Maya Busby.